Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael, and I'm hanging out with my buddy, my pal, my good friend, the one and only Trip Turlington. What's up? How the hell are you, man? You getting along? Uh, yeah, getting there, you know. Uh, You're hopping around a little better nowadays, I'm noticing. Yep, about a little over four weeks past surgery. So um, I'm all nice and scarred up and, <laughs> uh, you know, lost all the muscle definition, weak as all get out. You know, I'm still in a, in a uh, like, supporting brace and stuff like that. But, yeah, for the most part, I'm not on crutches anymore and able to kind of, like, get around and... Yeah, it's it, it hasn't been terrible for the past week or two. <laughs> You're back at, at work full-time now, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm back to work and back to school the whole nine yards. That's yeah, good, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well, you're about to have a, a test at, at how good your leg's really doing here in a couple of days playing in Cincinnati yeah. uh, DJ gig. So <laughs> Yeah, um, I actually... What, what's all that about? So... Um, here in Dayton, we used to do what we called a Sunday fun day, you know, and that's a pretty cliche, you know, uh, uh, party name. A lot of a lot of cities do it. But what it meant here in Dayton is there was a community park where, um, you know, we had an agreement where we were able to bring in sound system and set up uh, um, uh barbecues and stuff like that. So bring all the kids, bring the dogs and, you know, everybody got to hang out and play some tunes and, and, you know, it was a family affair. Um, but, uh, that particular park was shut down here in Dayton. I believe it's going to become a parking lot or something. Um, so, uh, some friends of ours in Cincinnati picked up on the idea and said, Hey, you know, if Dayton's not doing it, we can do it here. So, uh, you know, shout out to Tom Reed and, uh, the crew that's responsible for that down there. Um, you know, so they've been doing it. It's, it's been, uh, successful. So, uh, three dimensional, you know, reached out to Tom and said, Hey, you know, can we do a Dayton three dimensional takeover? Nice. <laughs> so, uh, and, so yeah, Tony's playing too, right? Yep. Yep. Tony's nice. going to play too. So like, we're all you know, just, you're going to caravan on down and bring down a bunch of food and, um, and get all the kids and dogs and everybody together and hanging out again. Yeah. Sunday. Yeah. Well, it'll be nice to uh, to give Tony a break too. He's been he's been out gallivanting around and doing his thing, running all over the place, doing festivals and stage management. And I, we've been posting uh, pictures on Instagram. Yeah, I'm of him telling you, hanging out with Zed and like all these <laughs> just Diplo, Diplo, all these huge people. Right. Right. Yeah. It's it must be hard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I bet it really is though. It's got to be grueling. Yeah. I mean, if that's the least of the the juice that he. Gets gets to squeeze out of it though like that's got to be pretty cool yeah i know he puts his heart and soul into all of that so um you know all of uh, anything that he can reap out of that is is well deserved but you know i have to say i'm i'm pretty jealous sometimes when i see him <laughs> you know posting all these pictures especially like with like you know, I know I'm going to show my age here, but like, you know, especially like when he's doing these festivals with like all the like, you know, big 90s, you know, super oh, yeah. groups like he, he got a picture with, you know, the remaining members of TLC. He's hanging out with Bone Thugs and Harmony like every other weekend. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it's pretty cool to see all yeah. that, you know. Yeah, so a good good reason for him not to be on the show today. Out, <laughs> right, you know, right. And, uh, Mo Dingo, he's out. Uh, I think he's DJing uh, with Friday Night Lights, I think, yep. right? Like football. Uh, yeah, gig. so his. His son uh, plays football out in Muncie, Indiana. I didn't realize it was that far away. Yeah, yeah. So, 
Um, so yeah, so he, he, uh, gets to, you know, organize and, 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 pl- uh, put together all of that stuff for their, for their Friday night football games, uh, throughout the football season. So that's pretty cool. I know he really enjoys that. Yeah. We, we miss having them here, but it's, it's cool that they're missing for related reasons to the show. You know what I mean? Like not associated with us, but just, it's kind of cool that yeah, it's not like know. how I miss a couple of episodes because, <laughs> you know, I don't know how to do yard work properly. <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh, since it's just the two of us sure. you know we were kind of talking you know the other day hey what do we want to record this next mm-hmm. session and uh, we kind of had this concept or you had a concept a while back about doing trips throwbacks which yeah. is where we would kind of talk about old tracks and stuff and we started kind of posting them on the blog but thought it would be cool to to make it more of a segment on the show yeah i and and i'm really glad that we did that we had that conversation because like as as cool as i think as it would be to be a blog post you know honestly like the whole concept behind it was what is some iconic music that you know, that spoke to me 20, 25, 30 years ago that might connect with other people or even for, you know, in the same age range or even for our younger listeners, you know, might find something that they like, you know, yeah. you know, from from the past. And as cool as I, th- I, I, I tried to launch it a couple of different ways. You know, I tried it on my own, you know, with, with a blog that right. I had put together and, I had typed up a couple of posts and it went okay, you know, but I'd never really pushed it because, and I think part of that is because I just didn't have the time. So then, you know, when I realized I wasn't, I wasn't putting as much into it because I just didn't have the time or I wasn't making the time for it. Um, so then when I came to you and I said, Hey, you know, passionate DJ already has, you know, the, the audience there that this is relevant content for, you know, what if I put it here? Maybe that'll be, you know, some, uh, uh, some motivation for me to, you know, put that, to make the effort to put that stuff out there more regularly. And I think I got about as far with that one as I did with my (laughs) own, you know, just due to time constraints and, and and whatnot. But you and I had that conversation. You had said that, you know, instead of doing it that way, if we're moving away from, uh, the, 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 the more bloggy, the the basic blog post type articles. Yeah. Right. So, um, so yeah, I was, I, and, and Mo was really excited about, you know, the, the concept too, you know, like let's, let's throw the throwbacks into an yeah. audio format. So, um, so yeah. So if, if we make this one of those periodic, you know, kind of like our pick three type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just. So did you pull from like any particular style of music or did you have any guidelines or was it just like, this is, this is old stuff from my history? Yeah. So for me, I think, just today, for at least for this episode, what I try to do is is reach from a few different genres around you know the '90s, you know, especially okay. especially like mid to mid to late '90s, you know, just to say, okay, you know, here's like a drum and bass track, and here's you know the club track that you know every that was hot for everybody and all of that kind of stuff, you know, okay. what what rap was you know was I listening to at that point, and and so they'll like be that. kind of the release dates of these won't be too far off. Not, I would say within a few years of each okay. other for sure. Well, that's yeah. cool too. Then because if you're bringing in different styles, it you can kind of compare. Okay, this is what those styles sounded like in comparison to each other in the 90s. Right, right. Cool. Uh, So real quick, uh, 
I wanted to, I, I think what we can do here is we also have a couple of emails and voicemails to respond oh, to. Awesome. So I love doing this. Yeah. So we can uh, just, <laughs> instead of, you know, sometimes we'll just address all this at the beginning of the show, but I think this time it'd be fun to kind of scatter them throughout. Oh. And so do them in between the, the tracks, if that's okay with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I wanted to start out with a, a quick voicemail that we got from Frederick Stanley. Let's take a listen. What's up, passionate DJ? Uh, my name is Frederick Stanley, and this message is coming from you from Sweden. Uh, I have a question to you guys about DJing at clubs. Uh, I'm on my way to a club gig right now, and I'm just thinking, like, what are your takes on DJs that jump around a lot? Like, going from Psytrance, for an example, to a hip-hop original track, which gets everybody shouting. In the US, like, from my understanding from your podcast, there is a lot of, like, DJs at one specific event. Like, there is not just, like, one resident DJ. You have, like, five or six different DJs or three, I don't know, at the same night. And uh, you guys were talking in a previous episode about DJs who play, for an example, drum and bass, and you guys go on stage and play, want to play house, like, uh, doing that transition down from R&B or from drum and bass or side trance or anything down to, like, a house type of vibe. Me, myself, I play, like, five-hour sets, and I'm, like, I really jump around a lot. Like, I like to surprise the audience. Uh, in a way, uh, what are your thoughts on like DJs who don't stick to the flow, so to speak? I love, love the podcast, and I hope you guys will make a lot of more episodes because, like, you're the only thing I can listen to on my way to my gigs. So, have a good one. That's awesome. So that's really cool, Frederick. You're not the first person to send us a message from Sweden, so that's right. that's very cool. I think that's the second voicemail we've gotten from Sweden. Yeah, and if you've got plenty of room, maybe we'll come visit. You know, yeah, hey. <laughs> crash on your couch, <laughs> raid your refrigerator. So, uh, it, yeah, and uh, uh, that, that's pretty cool that people are listening to us in the car on the way to gigs. Because yeah, you, that's man. the way I listen to podcasts is in the car. Same so here. I, I yeah. imagine that uh, that there are other people that do that. So if you're on the way to on your way to a gig right now, uh, good luck. <laughs> you know, go crush it. No doubt. No um, doubt. So DJs that play a lot of different styles in the same set and in the same night. Well, let, let's. Uh, he he brought up the the point in the very beginning where. Um, you know, that is a, a key distinction that to the best of my understanding, um, between Europe and, and ourselves is that we do, we have a tendency to load up lineups with, you know, mm. as many DJs as we possibly can with this, like most of the time, you know, a pretty diverse thing. And then it's up to a promoter to kind of, you know, craft that lineup into a time, you know, into time slots that makes sense for the night. Right. Uh, and there's a whole science behind that, and some are good at it, some aren't. But over there, it's nothing to hear about, like he said, five-hour sets. You know, headliners that go for two and a half, three, four hours, Yeah. you know, with maybe a direct support or something like that, and, you know, maybe somebody doing after hours. So, like, one, two, or three DJs versus eight, you right, know, for right. an event. And me personally... I'm pretty jealous of that. Yeah, like, agreed. It, it would be really neat if Americans could hold their attention that long. <laughs> well, so I, it's probably important to point out, like, okay, what type of event or gig or DJing sure, are we sure. talking about? Because sure. we do have DJs here who who play five and six hours Correct. in right. a night all the time, and right. they would typically be a, a resident somewhere, you know, at some kind of bar right. where that's appropriate. Yeah. Um, so we probably have 
we skew the perspective a little bit just because of the the type of scene that we are into, I'm sure. Correct. Right, right. You know right, what I mean? Right, yeah, so um, here in, in Ohio and in the Midwest, it, it's that's a long tradition of, of having a zillion people on the bill, <laughs> right? And right. I, I don't know, and, and it, you know, bringing that to the club and rave type scene, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if that's because, I, I tend to think it's, it's maybe that's what we had to do in order to get attendance because you know, maybe one person will bring X amount of people and another person will bring X amount of people. And back in the day, you know, that wasn't popular music here. Right. And raving, you know, especially here in the nineties, here in the Midwest in the nineties, it was, it was very much a word of mouth type of thing. So, you know, if you were a DJ back then and you could bring, anywhere from, you know, 10, 20, 50 people with you. And then those 10, 20, 50 people, you know, were able to bring one or two people, you know, so the more that you could, yeah. So the more that you could like muster up then yeah, that, and and if you get 10 DJs, 10 local DJs to do that, well, you've definitely got yourself a party. Yeah. Then you can throw on a couple of headliners and then those people alone will have their own draw and, and yeah, you've got, you've got a party, but, um, but it does seem like we've kind of moved into, like, we might, for club nights, we might have a lot of different types of sound represented, but those types of sounds will be represented by different people, which might right. be different than what he's saying, which, you know, he'll do the same thing, but it'll it'll be all Frederick doing that. Right, right. Which, it, like I said, that, uh, so for me, I'm a little jealous of that because I've attempted to do that even with like one hour or one and a half hour sets mm. you know? and it's incredibly difficult because then it just kind of looks, makes you look like you've got sonic ADD or something, you know, like <laughs> right. you're just kind of, you know, you can't decide on what genre you want to play, even if, you know, the BPM progression matches and everything kind of works, but it just seems like it's rushed or forced. Yeah. You know, whereas if I had three, four hours, you know, yeah, I could make that work, you know, and, and, and take your time with it, make yeah. it more fluid. I, I often also feel like, and I'm, I'm probably not the only one, like sometimes I feel like I have a point to prove, like mm. this is my sound and this is what I think this would work well into this, which would work well into this. Right. And so I'm trying to do my DJ thing and show how good of a DJ I am, you know, and I'm sure a lot of us get caught up in that. Sure. Uh, especially if you know, where we live, uh, other than probably really recent history, like everybody had to be a DJ's DJ. You know what I mean? Like every, the whole scene was built up of other DJs. (laughs) Right. Right. And if, and if if the DJs, right, exactly. And if, and if the DJs at the top of the food chain don't really think that much of you, Mm -hmm. well then, you know, you're, you're not getting the bookings, you know, whether that's right, wrong or indifferent, you know? So, you know, cause some of that could be, totally subjective, you know, where people just don't like you or whatever. Yeah. Okay, fine. And there, there is some of that. Um, but then there's other, you know, where there's this group of people who have the skills that it takes to be considered good DJs. And when they're not impressed by somebody who is not a good DJ, you know, then you kind of, you know, get that little mark on you. That's like mm, <laughs> that scarlet letter. Yeah. I don't think we're going to book him again. <laughs> <laughs> Now, that being said, maybe, you know, there's 
some listener in some other part of the states here that wants to uh, send in a voicemail or write in, and maybe they've had a different experience. You sure. know, maybe they are a DJ that plays you know fifty different genres in uh, across the span of six hours right. at you know a club, and they have that's the experience they've always had in their town. You know, if that's the case, we would love to hear it. Right. I'm sure that we just you know we bring our own experience to the table, and we're yeah. we're not telling the whole story there. Absolutely. In well, some ways, you know, as as diverse as all of our experience combined is, you know, we we definitely you know have some holes, you know, where yeah. we we have not experienced everything for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other part of his uh, message there, though, was uh, my thoughts on you know people that that can and do those jumps, though. Um, if it works for the crowds that you consistently play that for, then I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, by all means. Especially because like as somebody, you know, when I do go to a club, I kind of like that, that lack of format if that's the club that I'm going to, mm. you know? So like if I'm going, for example, if I'm, if I'm going to a, a, a volume show, you know, we've talked about Mike Donovan and his volume show and, and how it's all centered around house music and, and deep house specifically and stuff like that. So when I go to a, a volume show, I'm expecting to hear house music. Yeah, you that's know, a fair point. And, and so if somebody starts dropping hip hop or, you know, drum and bass or something like that at that show, I'm not saying I won't like it. But, but it'll feel a little awkward. It's right? going to feel awkward, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you're if you're booked to play an all drum and bass show, and then you show up and you play trance, you know, good luck getting out of the door. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there were these nightclubs that I used to frequent quite a bit uh, that were kind of peppered throughout, um, and they they were really good at th- this multiple genre format. So. We had uh, one of our listeners, uh, Sonic Styles, mm. good friend of ours, Tim. Uh, he used to DJ at one of these clubs, and uh, at the time it was called Metropolis, but its predecessor was called Bourbon Street, and it was one of those multi-format clubs where, like, there were actually three different dance floors, you know, on opposite ends of the building. And you went to one if you wanted to hear like 80s and Mm. and pop music. And then you went to another one if you wanted to hear like rock and country and stuff like that in the back. And sometimes they had live bands. And Tim was actually the DJ for what was dubbed as the underground room. And, you know, underground (laughs) for that club, (laughs) you know, meant that they played you know, mostly like club style rap and and dance and and dance music and stuff like that. But like, so he had some creative control there, but he was also given a pretty strict format. Mm -hmm. And that format was, you know, 15 or 20 minutes of rap and radio type, you know, edits and stuff like that. And then for the next 15 or 20 minutes, then you can play your dance crap, (laughs) you know, but even the dance crap, like you couldn't go to underground, like you couldn't go too deep. You like, you know, so it's not like you're playing Jeff Mills or anything. Right. You're playing like uh, fat boy slim, maybe. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and it, so that and Tim was really good at it because Tim has a really diverse palette. I was gonna say, I, for as long as I've known him, he's always played all kind of anything. Right, right. So, 
um, he was really good at it. And there was a couple of times where he actually invited me to come up and play and we would drink Jaeger in the booth and like, <laughs> woo, you know, whatever. But, yeah. um, but you know, so that type of an environment, if that's the kind of club that you're playing where there's that leeway to kind of jump between genres and the crowd is kind of expecting that, then it can really, really work because those, yeah. cl- th- those clubs, at least here were really successful for a long time. I, th- I think that what you whatever works for your crowd is what you should do, and I I think that uh, like probably like I care uh, I I would care more about jumping around and stuff and that being weird and jarring than the crowd would. Like right. I'm more concerned than I should be about that probably, sure, sure. you know. And I'm like trying to be maybe too much of an artist or whatever, and and you know that probably plays a role there. For me, I'm the I'm kind of the same way, but like in a different way. Like I I I like starting one place and ending another. Yeah. And I kind of I kind of pre-plan that kind of stuff out. You know, like not that I plan out entire sets before I go to a show, but you, you know, want to know how to get from 90 to 170 without like just right. stopping and starting. <laughs> right. Right. You know, so I, 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 I'm very intentional about some kind of progression or some kind of movement, uh, generally in an upward direction. So like if I start a set at like 124, you know, by the time I'm done, I'm probably somewhere around 130. Mm. And, you know, when I start at the 124, that's just going to be your more like kind of just groovy. Chugging along. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then by the time I get to that 130, you know, there's going to be a lot more energy in that. There's going to probably, it's probably going to be more synthy. There's probably going to be more like energetic, you know, some kind of a vocal. There's going to be something that says, this is vastly different and more energetic and I've hopefully got you, you know, where I want you versus I was just trying to get your attention in the beginning, you (laughs) know? So, um, so I'm pretty intentional with that, but you know, especially when we're, when we typically only get an hour, I don't start at 124, 20 minutes in, jump to 174 BPM, yeah. drum and bass, and then try to jump back. You know, yeah. To, so those, to those two, uh, those two points that he brought up might be, you know, very related and that, sure. you know, we often don't get five or six hour slots to right. jump around like that. We probably would do that more. Right. And I would say the gigs that I play that are like that, which would be more more in the realm of mobile gigs, like so doing right. loungy kind of and stuff. Those patio or gigs and patio like, yeah, gigs, yeah. yeah. Those kind of gigs I do jump around more. Even right. though I'm playing, you know, I, I typically play stuff that's kind of chill mm-hmm. and uh, jazzy and stuff like that, but I will vary the tempo a lot more than I do in my, you know, more dancey club sets and stuff like right. that. Right. And another thing that I've I've noticed is that, you know, the the people that we consider hip hop DJs, that we call hip hop DJs mm-hmm. Are, seem to be a lot more willing to uh, hunt around and and play different styles and mix them in and change the tempo up and stuff. They seem sure. to be more willing that to do that than than us dance music DJs. Oh yeah, are, oh you know, yeah. To their credit, yeah. So hey, man, that was an awesome voicemail. That was Frederick. Yeah. We appreciate that, and uh, we keep we hope that you'll keep listening to us on the way to gigs. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> I do like that. All right, uh, so you want to get on to these throwbacks? Sure. Um, so what's our first track? What do we got in store? So I was thinking about, you know, how I was going to order these, and um, I, I I was going to save this one for last because typically, you know, uh, drum and bass is not the place where you start. 
you know, and with, with something yeah. like this, you know, because a lot of people either aren't into it or, um, you know, it, it's just not somebody's cup of tea or whatever. So, you know, if nothing else, this is just getting it out of the way for some of you. <laughs> <laughs> this one is just hands down an iconic, uh, old school, like rave drum and bass track. Like if you, if you were raving in the nineties and you were into drum and bass at all, or even if you weren't like, you know, this one, um, most people think that the guy who did this remix is the one who actually wrote the track and he's not, he, he remixed it. Um, but it, this remix is just that damn notorious. So, <laughs> so all of my drum and bass heads out there, if you don't already know what this is, <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, if anybody is not already aware, this is Cleveland Lounge Drowning, uh, and this is the AK-1200 remix. It was on all kinds of mixes. Like, it, this one was, this was so good that, like, I can remember there being uh, house DJs that would like find ways of like manipulating the BPMs at the end of their like oh. mixes just to make sure that they could like sneak this one in. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, it has that little bit of kind of diva vocal aspect right. to it that speaks to house DJs. Yep, I think. Absolutely. So we're going to let this one roll for just a second. Let that vocal come through. Okay, hopefully you're all singing along now. <laughs> you know, I like this track because it's 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 very obviously drum and bass, but I, I don't know if it in, you know, people who've been listening to the show for a while will know that I'm not super well versed in sure. drum and bass stuff, but a lot of drum and bass, like when I was first introduced to it, and it would have been stuff a little older than this probably, right. or newer than this rather, it was really really in your face oh yeah. yeah like synth wise drums samples like all the stuff was just as much sound and as many crazy noises kind of like the way dubstep got for a while where sure. it's just really really big in your face squelchy noisy huge bass lines right and this sounds like a song it's got you know soulful vocals in it it's got you know the the drum samples are really you know really clear they're really chopped up and cool and they're fun to listen to but they're not it's not so glitchy that it loses its rhythm. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like that was, that was always one of the things about this that like, if you wanted to take somebody who didn't listen to uh, drum and bass and try to give them some, something easy to digest to kind of get into it. This was, this was one of those tracks that you did that with. Yeah. I've always loved this track. Me and my crew, we used to play this all the time. Every drum and bass DJ was playing it. Um, I actually have, um, a copy on wax that I have in a frame that oh, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yep, that cool. AK 1200 signed it for me. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I caught him at a show and I and I brought brought the wax with me and I was all like, hey, I'm sure you get this all the time, but can you sign this? <laughs> <laughs> 
Nice choice, man. I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's a good start. Okay, uh, real quick before we move on to the next one, let's respond to this email from DJ Bycons. That's B-Y-K-O-N-Z. Oh, okay. He says, hey, my name is Isaiah, and I have a question. Is there anything that I can do to stop uh, copyright on YouTube? I think he means stop getting taken down for mm. copyright violation. Each time I upload my mixtapes, there's always a copyright problem, so I stopped uploading my mixes, but people keep asking me to put my mixes on YouTube so that they can listen to them from there. Yeah, that's a toughie. That's kind of the eternal struggle these days, yep. and whether it's YouTube or SoundCloud or, you know, any number of Facebook Live. I mean, you know, even Twitch. I was watching a Twitch stream the other day, yep. and they started, uh, they don't take it down. They just, they mute the audio, which I thought was an interesting, wow. like they'll, they'll say this section uh, violates copyright, and so they'll mute however long it is. Wow. Which I thought was a pretty interesting approach. Well, because Twitch is live, right? Yeah, and I, I don't think that they remove it from the live stream. I was watching a replay. Oh, okay. Of, you know, from somebody's channel. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it's just, this is something that we're all kind of learning how to deal with these days. Yeah. Um, because, it, especially with, with DJ Culture, like, you know, there's... <sighs> You and I have had this conversation. I, I, if we haven't had it on the show, I know we've had it in in, uh, in our own personal conversations. But like, where I fall on this is where I understand the the big companies' position on it. Like, it, at the end of the day, recorded content that they have the right the rights. To, uh, to own and distribute and all of that, like if you do not own those rights, if you don't even have the, the, the permission to those rights, like it's not yours. And no matter how much we really try to twist it, you know, yeah. it, it's it, at the end of the day, it's not ours. Now, I also, you know, having come up through DJ culture, have you know, somewhat of the same, uh, have somewhat of the attitude that, you know, you're a huge conglomerate company. Like, like you're just this huge monolith. You've got money coming out of your arse. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, you know, why are you picking on, you know, people who are just, you know, trying to share their art? You know, they're yeah. not, they're not, they may or may not be trying to make money, but even if they are trying to make money, they're not making the money that yeah. you know that would warrant treat is shutting everybody down like that there's got to be in my opinion a much better you know middle ground somewhere yeah i mean us you know down here at the bottom we we feel like you know the sound clouds and youtubes of the world are breathing down our necks and then they right. feel like the big labels and, and all those are breathing down their necks and it just kind of you know trickles down from there right um and i, I think this really just kind of speaks to the larger problem of you know, this is a whole new world now right, in, right. in general, as far as, you know, internet and uh, broadband and streaming, I mean, especially right. with streaming now. Streaming, it's like, how yeah. do we handle that? Well, when, you know, all of us can FaceTime each other and broadcast, you know, I could have you FaceTime that drum and bass song you just played and I could have my phone plugged into a PA system in a stadium right. and it would play, right. you know, and, and then what, you know, it's, right. How do we handle all that? Exactly. And, and, and the crazy part is, is so like, you know, in the past, you know, big labels controlled everything. They were the A&R, they were the QA, they were, you know, they were everything when it came to sourcing, curating, creating, and distributing music. 
And that's not the case anymore. The labels still play a part, but nowhere near as prominent. You know, it's really the tech companies that are really driving a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, when you've got your SoundClouds and your Spotify's and your YouTube and all of that stuff, you know, these companies are really starting to drive standardization of even just like, you know, uh, on the loudness of, of yeah. you, know, you know, streaming musics to, to, to try to, you know, combat, you know, loudness wars and stuff like that, you know, just to give us, you know, the consumers a more standardized listening experience. So, you know, when they're, when they're in these contracts with all of these like big labels and the distributors and all of that stuff, like, you know, I, I can't imagine what it's like to be in those rooms and trying to negotiate, you know, however many millions of dollars it takes to get the rights to just stream something, you yeah. know? But at the same time, like, if if it's that difficult for them, like, imagine us, you know, we're, we're you know, people who are sitting in their home, you know, studios or their bedrooms or their living rooms or, you know, wherever, and they're just... They're just trying to share what they do and what they love, yeah. you know, and, and stuff like that. Like, it, it, so when, yeah, YouTube comes and comes along and, eh, nope, you can't do that. And, you know, either blanks out the audio or, or issues takedown notices, you know, it, it's incredibly frustrating because it shouldn't be that difficult or it shouldn't be that antagonistic, I suppose. Yeah. So, I mean, when it comes to what do I do to stop this from happening on YouTube? Probably nothing, unfortunately. Right. Um, You know, other than use some other platform um, that isn't being so intensely scrutinized at the moment. You know, it doesn't get much bigger than YouTube. And YouTube was never meant to be a music distribution service. And it kind of became that because it you know people were able to get away with sharing music that way well and because mtv doesn't mtv mtv hasn't been showing videos for like 20 years now (laughs) so now youtube is taking is taking that on and saying okay we want to start doing some music distribution and stuff but Mm -hmm. now there are some rules in place right well for people like us that kind of leaves us out you know out to dry unless we're you know producing original content and posting it or something like right. that because i see that stuff all the time where like you know if i go to look for a song to listen to on youtube and you know a lot of people put like disclaimers like i'm not making any money off of this and i don't yeah. own the rights please don't sue me blah 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 <laughs> and i'm like you just wasted keystrokes there. Right. Like, like it, if I ask nicely, will you not sue me? <laughs> right. Or will you just leave it up because I have 5 million hits on this one t- right, right. video, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think you're right. I think ultimately what it, what it boils down to is researching the, the companies and the platforms that are more friendly to, um, and have the mechanics in place with these labels and stuff like that in order to provide that kind of an experience. The one that like really comes to mind off the top of the head is, is Mixcloud. Yeah, absolutely. They, they've got some limitations in that they don't allow downloads and they don't allow, I think it's rewinding. You can't rewind, um, uh, but you can fast forward um, through. Um, is that still true? I, I It's been a while since I've actually listened to anything on Mixcloud. I'm, I've been really stuck yeah, on my Spotify. They limit it in some way. Yeah. yeah. So there, there are some limitations, but at, at the end of the day, you know, uh, it's a it's a it's a DJ friendly platform. Yeah. So you know, for may, now, right? So maybe moving people uh, who ask who ask you to post things on YouTube, maybe you know, 
yeah. show them the door over here to the this Mixcloud platform. Yeah, and there are a few other alternatives that have popped up that you know you'll see suggestions for every now and then. Yeah. I'm sure if you Google it, you know where do I upload DJ mixes? Isn't you know, there that, like that's a, been well here this or, dot or add something, or something yeah, like that? Something like that. Yep. Is one. Um, I, th- I think the approach that I'm going to take going forward is to post it on say Mixcloud and then just have like self hosted download for anybody who yeah. wants to just have an MP3 to do whatever they want with. Sure. Um, which is growing, you know, less and less common these days anyway. You right. know, everybody streams everything. Yep. Um, but if somebody wants to, like, listen to my mix in their car, far be it for me to stop them from doing it. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's a tough one, man. And especially when it comes to, like, if the question is, how do I post my videos of me mixing? I'm not really sure. That's yeah. a little trickier because now we're talking about, you know, it's a it's a lot more cumbersome to host like a big old video file for somebody to download <laughs> right. and then play. Like nobody's going to do that anymore. Right. right. Um, so that's, that's a tricky one. Maybe somebody can write in if they've got uh, some some ideas for that. Yeah. The only thing I can even remotely think of is you know mixing or or doing something to the audio to make it you know less noticeable. You know to whatever their algorithms are, but their algorithms are pretty damn smart. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's man, Facebook is brutal. Yeah. Like I'll just, I'll just be like having, you know, Facebook live recording my daughter doing something, you know, saying something silly or whatever. And there'll be like a TV on in the background in the next room <laughs> and it, it'll just pop up like, this has been taken down. You don't own this content. <laughs> like, holy crap. What? <laughs> like, I'm obviously not trying to distribute music. Right. <laughs> Uh, All right, you want to move, uh, move on to track number two? Yes. Yeah, so what do you got for us? Let's see. So for the second track here, like it's it's a total left turn. Um, you know, in the '90s, we were dealing with quite a bit in the rap and hip hop era, and I picked this one because I wanted to pick something in, in the rap and hip hop range, but I wanted it to be a little bit later in the nineties. Um, you know, not, not out of the golden era or whatever, you know, uh, whatever that range was, but just not, and not too close to the two thousands, you know, where mm. things started really kind of just going party up, <laughs> right. you know, whatever. <laughs> um, so crunk and bling and all right, that stuff started happening. Right. So uh, I wanted to pick something that was intelligent, that um, you know made people think, and really, in my opinion, was kind of was extremely different than what everything else that was out there. Oh yeah. So yeah. Like, I, I can remember just putting this instrumental on for mm. like ever, and just I used to draw a lot and paint and do a lot of uh, visual uh, graphic stuff, and um, I could I could put on this instrumental and just sit there and just draw for hours and hours and hours, and that would be it. But you know. This is out. This is Elevators by Outcast. Uh, I think this came out uh, right around '96. I think. Yeah, yeah. Because I saw them at Bogarts later that year, mm. and you know, it, it, like I said, it was it was something different. 
you know, yeah. there was like, you know, we we here in Ohio had Bone Thugs and Harmony, which was already different because they took that whole like rap thing and and harmonized it and and did something different, you know, and and it was different in a good way. It was different in a positive way. And even though they still talked about, hey, I'll shoot you in the face, <laughs> you know, but it just it there it was something different than what east coast west coast and at this time when east coast versus west coast was at that whole like pinnacle of we're all gonna kill each other type of thing yeah and 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 it was being fed by the media and you know so like we're getting like real close to that whole like biggie and tupac are all about to die type of thing you know so here comes outcast you know who already had you know southern player southern cal or southern play a cadillac god you know what i'm saying yeah you know the one <laughs> you know which one i'm talking about and then i believe it was the new jersey drive soundtrack where they had benzer beamer and stuff yeah. like that so like you know like outcast was no stranger to the rap game but when they came out with at aliens and especially elevators was like that first huge hit that came out and like everybody was just like whoa whoa we can chill out for a minute right. <laughs> you know, like it's okay to light up the blunt and just everybody chill out and we're okay to like get along right. <laughs> not everybody's gotta be all strapped up and ready to kill each other type of thing like it was it, it feels like we need one of those moments in our country right about now you right, know what i mean right, everything's right. those tensions are high not in hip-hop necessarily right. but just politically and right. and you know just in the greater the grand scheme of things absolutely and the the, the best part about outcast in general is that you know, the, at, at a time where it was all about diss music and it was all about, like, you know, who's got, you know, the most money, who's got the most drugs, who's got, who's got the most street cred, and, you know, and, uh, there was just, there was a lot of, for as great as that music was for that time, wonderfully produced music, and it was, you know, I mean... 90s rap was just it was its own entity and it was its own thing and it it was amazing but like you know here they come and they bring back the entire art of storytelling yeah like every outcast song whether it's in you know implied or explicit is a story you know and if you like take the time to sit down and dissect the whole thing it's like wow like somewhere along the line people lost that yeah. you know or not not everybody you know everybody you know were able to tell their own stories in their own ways or whatever but like outcast just had a whole other style to it and you know for me and my crew and like just you know my and your past. mama and your cousin too <laughs> and my mama and my cousin too absolutely <laughs> you know yeah just slamming catalog those man it was <laughs> this was this was uh, one of those tracks that just, you know, never, it, it never, ever, ever left. All right. We have an email from one of our younger listeners. It says, uh, this comes from, uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it, Vinod Patgar, I think. He says, my parents and my whole family are opposed to me being a DJ. I've tried my best to convince them. They want me to get a decent job and stay in front of them for my whole life, but my dream is to become a DJ and tour all over. What am I supposed to do now? We get emails like this all the time. Mm -hmm. um, a lot, you know, from all over the world, 
um, it, they're just you know younger DJs who will come across the site. And they'll find the the podcast and they'll say, "I want to become a DJ, but my parents won't let me." Sure. Um, obviously, the first thing we have to say is it's not our place to stand between you and your parents. Right. So you know we we can't tell you to to go against their wishes or anything. <laughs> That's not our place. Right. Um, but one thing I think is important to bring up is it's not like flipping a switch. You can't just decide I'm going to have a career as a famous world touring DJ. Right. That I'm glad you're going this route because that's exactly, I think we're going to be lockstep here. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, there's, it's not like you, you fill out your resume and then you apply to be world famous touring DJ (laughs) and then you go do it. You know what I mean? Like it's a select few people that get that, that opportunity to do that as, as a career choice. And, and just to interject really quick there, even the ones that do, it's very rare that somebody is an overnight success. Right. You know, so it's it's a lot of grinding and man, and maneuvering different networks of people and fulfilling different, you know, requirements and, and really getting along with different, you know, a bunch of different people and, and being the likable you know, entity and, and being able to strike those deals and, and, and to be able to, you know, maneuver something it, it's, it's, that is not as direct of a, of a path yeah. as it is to go fill out a job application and go get a job, you know, yeah. that sort of And thing. that whole time that you're doing that building your network and, and trying to build an audience and, and get some attention that whole time, you're going to have bills to pay. Right. So you better have a, a plan in place anyway. Yep. So I would say that if if the option is I'm either going to to pursue a career or I'm going to become a DJ, your parents are right. <laughs> you want, I mean, you know right, what I mean? Right. You, you have to have some kind of plan in place because DJing, you know, touring DJing is, is going to be a volatile um, and possibly unlikely scenario. That doesn't mean that you can't be a DJ, right? And that you can't enjoy it, and that it's not going to be awesome, and that even that you won't make money doing it. Yep. yep. You know, but uh, I wouldn't. That's not something that I would personally want to count on, no matter where I'm at in the world. My advice to any young person now is absolutely have that dream, and if you've got that passion and you've got that drive, and that's something that you truly want, then by all means. Go for it, but be smart about it. You know, you hear old people say it all the time. I had old people telling me all the time, oh, yeah, that'll be fun and blah, 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 but have a backup plan or have yeah. a primary plan and, you know, you know, whatever. And yeah, as, all we're saying is nothing's guaranteed. Right, right. That's so to me, you know, having the the luxury of hindsight, right? <laughs> um, I would definitely say the exact same thing. You know, focus on education and career uh, as your primary plan. And then if this DJing thing can pan out, even if it's just for a year or two, you know, even if, if mm-hmm. you get to a point where, you know, you can make that decision. Case in point, Girl Talk. Okay, Girl Talk uh, actually... Uh, was just doing, he went to school, uh, if I remember right, he's like some kind of a chemical engineer or a biological engineer or something like that. And he was doing research work in hospitals. And like, so he is like, you know, just tinkering around with music, (laughs) you know, on his laptop or something. And 
but it, it kept getting bigger and kept getting bigger all the while he's working his full-time career, you know, doing his primary plan a, and then all of a sudden, you know, this, this music thing is starting to pan out yeah. and, you know, there's this opportunity cost, you know, there's this, um, there's this equilibrium point where all of a sudden you got to make a choice. I either stick with the primary plan because this is, you know, making me X amount of money and I've got, you know, um, you know, benefits and blah, 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 or this DJing or music thing has gotten to a point where it could replace that, you know, and, and we were faced with those kinds of challenges that or those kinds of decisions at different points in our life with all kinds of different things. But with this in particular, you are more likely to be a lot more successful in life period. If you focus on the more likely scenario. Yeah. Make sure cover your bases, not, you know, necessarily throw this away because it's not something that you'll ever be able to do. Right. You know, it's out of all the, the people that I've known who have, who have toured professionally and that's how they pay their bills or, uh, you know, the, the, handful of of quote-unquote famous djs that that i've ever talked to sure very few of them have djing was their only only route like almost every scenario (laughs) it's like well i had a career doing blah 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 and then djing took off or um i'm still working two jobs or you know what i mean like a a lot of touring djs still have day jobs you know i i I know some people like that who yep. they they do tour and even tour internationally, but they work. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so, and then there's also the question of what happens when the light kind of burns out and you're not as popular anymore. Then what's your backup plan? Right. When that goes away, what are you going to do after that? Right. You know, here on the show, we're not really typically in the habit of like smacking down people's dreams, right? So like, I don't oh, want to give the wrong not. impression right. here, yeah. like. I think the point here is that you don't have to choose one instead of the other. Right. Like, right. you know, all of us here on the show do other things, yep. you know, to pay the bills and have other interests and to make sure our families are taken care of and that sort of thing. Yep. But we also super duper freaking love DJing. Right, right. right. And, and we're like, we're we're really into it. Yep. And it does something for us. And, you know, we've all, we've all made money at some point doing that. Yep. So, you know, it... it all we want to say is, you know, please, it, it maybe the approach is, you know, I don't know what the relationship is between you and your parents, but, you know, maybe show them that this is just something that you're excited about and that you're passionate about and that you would like to do. Yeah. Because nowadays it's pretty cheap to get into mm-hmm. as a hobby, you know what right. I mean? Whereas that wasn't always the case. And so it's, you know, you don't have to write off your entire future just in case DJing doesn't work out. You know, if you're into DJing, please, by all means, join, the, you know, keep listening to the show and we'll keep doing everything we can to give you, you know, inspiration and, and information to help you pursue that goal. Right. Um, we just don't want there to be an unrealistic expectation of all you have to do is just decide that you're going to to be a touring DJ. Right. <laughs> Yeah, because if that was the case, <laughs> I would still be doing it. <laughs> yeah, and you know the, that's the other point. Like maybe we're just not the right people to answer. None of us are doing it, right? <laughs> right. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> but uh, yeah, hopefully um, that that was helpful. I, I hope it wasn't uh, you know construed as being too negative. Like I said, we want to make sure that uh, that you make sure that all your bases are covered and pursue DJing because you love it, not because it's a guaranteed paycheck. Right. Do we have a third track to bring up? So this one, 
uh, all of my nineties club heads are going to love <laughs> like period. Like the, this one, uh, I, when like, uh, I'm just going to play it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's got that, that quintessential, like nineties housey clubby kind of like thing going on right there. This like is where oonts, oonts, oonts. <laughs> this is where it came from. <laughs> boots and pants, right? <laughs> boots and pants. Boots and pants and boots and pants and boots and pants and boots and pants. So like these stabs and then there's going to be this vocal and you're all going to start dancing. <laughs> Set you free, set you free. So this is set you free, <laughs> and the group is called Planet Soul, which interestingly, uh, interestingly enough, was uh, uh, the producer George Acosta. Oh, okay. And uh, a chick named Nadine Renee. Um, I don't know anything else that Nadine was in, but George Acosta, at least, you know, going through the 90s and 2000s, like, I mean, everybody knew who he was. But uh, what was... Oh, right, right. Like, what what I loved about this track is, like, whenever it came on in the club... Like, you know, it had that whole housey thing. Like, so like DJs are mixing that in, but then like the breakdown like, happens. Just kidding. This <laughs> is a breakbeat track. Gotcha. <laughs> and not just breakbeat. Like, you know, this is just kind of like, uh, 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 you know, so it's kind of like got that like Miami kind of yeah. breakbeat thing going, but it's got that really acidic 303 kind yeah. of. <laughs> it's the, it's those hi hats that give it that Miami sound. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah like this one was just one of those ones that like if you wanted to get an entire club grinding <laughs> absolutely like i i can remember the I, I mentioned that club uh bourbon street earlier and this was a huge hit in that club like every time like you know the the dj at that time once he got going and everything it's all four four and you know everybody's you know really gr- you know dancing to that and then all of a sudden he would drop this in and then all of a sudden all the lights go down and then like you know <laughs> then that set you free it's echoing through the club and then that break beat happens and then all of a sudden just everybody's grinding <laughs> the song just makes me smile too. I know, i've been right? cheesing the whole time we've been listening I'm telling you i'm telling you there was another track that i was going back and forth between this one and that one but i decided to save the other one for the next time we do this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah oh man does this ride out the the breakbeat through the rest of the track, or does it go back to the four? Yeah, no. It, as far as I, if I remember right, it goes breakbeat throughout the rest of it. Yeah. And this one, it, this is like we're we'll probably cut it off here shortly. This this is the fever mix. Okay. Um, and it's like ten minutes long. So. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, this was definitely a twelve inch. Yeah. <laughs> On strictly rhythm records, actually. Yeah. I like it, man. Oh, man. Just fun. Good stuff. Good stuff. (laughs) All right. We do have uh, a question from Kevin Yap. This came in on Facebook. He said, at what point is a DJ considered selfish? For example, if you are creative and you've made your own edits, but 
uh, you made your own edits and stuff. Should we share it? Are we obliged to? Is it okay to fear people stealing your ideas? Are we selfish when we don't share all that we know? I'm currently in the learning process and have been taking classes. What is okay to share and not okay? Can someone please teach me? The answer is no <laughs> to all of that. Um, are you a, so like, are you considered selfish? No. Um, are you obliged to share anything you've created? No. Like you as an artist define what your art is and who you want to share that with. Now, once you put something out there and people, you know, will take it, people will do whatever they are going to do with it. They will critique it. They, so once you put something out there, then you have to be willing to accept the, uh, repercussions of putting it out there, you know, so I've got to wonder what they mean by share too. Cause that could mean three or four th different things off right. the top of my head. So off of off based off of the, the, the text that you just read there. So like when he says I've created an edit, you know, so whether that edit is a remix or if it's a mashup or if it's just, Hey, I added, you know, 32 bars to the beginning and end of a track that had horrible intro and outro. Right. Right. So, okay, great. Um, are you obliged to share it? No, like if somebody comes up and says, Hey, where did you get that? Or what is that? You know, uh, I made it, you know, Oh, can I get a copy of it? No, you know, yeah. it's untitled but, MP3 is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> untitled underscore VO one underscore master VO two dot one, 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 one dot MP3. <laughs> now to be fair, we, and especially you, you know, more so than I come from a place where, DJing was really about what you could bring and what you had access to. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's from an era before everybody had access to everything. everything this was back right. when tracks could be rare. Yep. You know, and so I still have. You I, know, I wish a there bunch was of, more of that. <laughs> yeah, I still have a bunch of white labels. And you know, for anybody that that uh, is listening that uh, isn't uh, isn't aware of what white labels are, you know, back uh, when when vinyl was king, uh, you know, there would be test pressings or, you know, uh, releases of rare edits and, you know, things that, you know, couldn't get copyright, you know, uh, cleared through copyright and stuff like that. Um, and they would just press them on a record and put a white label on it and that's it. So when it or gets dub plates, yeah, well. dub plates too. And, you know, so by the time it gets to us, the DJ, we might have no clue what this track is, who wrote it, whatever. Uh, and a lot of times the sound quality was shit, you know, mm. because it was, it, it's just a test pressing or, or whatever, you know, so it wasn't totally, or it was intentionally mastered to sound okay enough, you know, to play out. But like, but when the actual release came out, then it was the, the mastering on the actual release was so much better, you know, because these are just test pressings. These are just, you know, things that people are trying out, but it's that exclusivity of having that before anybody else that, you know, made DJing pretty awesome back then because I might have 12 white labels of something that isn't going to be out for three more months, but I'm playing it three months before anybody else. So somebody comes up, and they try to train spot me, you yeah. know, <laughs> and looking at my, at my record labels. Well, it's just a white label, yeah. you know, so they have no idea what it is. I'm 
may or may not have any idea of, of who it is, depending on where it came from, you know? So, and um, I, I think some of that still carries over now. A lot of DJs are still kind of picky about that. Um, but I think Tony's kind of this way. I hope he doesn't mind me saying so, you know, where, um, he likes to bring new things to the table and share yeah. his, his own spin on things. And right. so, you know, what a lot of DJs will do is they'll, I mean, they'll like lower the laptop lid so that you can't see it and like turn the brightness down and stuff because people will, you know, nowadays they just think, you know, I'll just come up and check out whatever that is. Yep. And, you know, to most like normal patrons in the room aren't going to really do that. And if they did, you wouldn't care. But in the scene that we're familiar with, we're all DJs, right? right so it's right. like we, we want to have our own little thing, but we also all kind of get it right? most of the time, you yep. know? So, um, yeah, pe- I, I agree with you, man. I, th- I think if you want to keep something to yourself, you're you're more than welcome to do that right. if you can. Right, yeah. It, it, it's it's totally up to you. And, and don't let anybody tell you you're being selfish. It's just, you know, whatever you want to do, whatever you feel comfortable with, you know? It's just... Uh, you know, or, or whatever you want to do. If you wrote an edit and you want to keep it for yourself, then it's yours. You know, don't, don't feel like you have to share it, especially if it's something that you feel adds something unique to your set or something that you are able to manipulate in ways that, you know, it's your idea, it's yours and and you do what you do with it. Maybe to put, to approach this from the other side, I think it would be maybe selfish for somebody to expect that of you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, we have track number four. Yep. Trips throwbacks. Where are we going now? <laughs> so now we are going to go uh, house. Okay. And I mean house, house. <laughs> Definition of classic 90s house. Like I'm th- down. Let's this, do it. This is it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That yeah, was it is. <laughs> like, you don't even need a drum. <laughs> this is house. This is one of those kind of like French filter house songs that that you just love because they're they're they don't go many places. It's based on a loop, you know right, what I mean? Right. And, it, and I th- I've heard some edits of the song that are like a, a super long, you know? Oh yeah. And and everyone's cool with it. Like you just. It's fine. Like, I just, I want to listen to this loop for an hour. Like, right. it, it just makes me feel good, you know? Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's been like, that, that's how you know you've got something there. Like, it, it's, it's, this is such quintessential, like, loop based house, like, just period. Like, and it's, it's, it's every bit of what it was meant to be. <clears throat> That's about as much variation as you get, right? <laughs> right, right. And th- and this is uh, uh, Music Sounds Better With You by Stardust. Stardust. Now, a little bit of trivia about Stardust is that it was actually a trio, and one of the uh, members, Thomas Bangalter, is a little bit more well-known for one of his other projects. Uh, we may know them 
you know, a couple of guys. They wear helmets wear, wear on helmets. their heads. <laughs> <laughs> so for anybody who hasn't picked it up yet, it, he's one of the uh, members of uh, Daft Punk. So, yeah. Um, and really, I didn't even know that until years later. Like, you yeah, know, this came out I on either. Yeah, this came out on Relay. And I mean, this was one of the hottest, like 12 inches like and uh, any kind of edit you could get of this thing was just, I mean, it, it flew off of the shelves. I mean, yeah. all you had to do was just have that sample and that vocal and boom, done. You know, and, and I mean, they did. They just flew off the shelves. I actually have a white label, have no idea who did it, but they took uh, uh, this track and um, put Madonna's Holiday Oh. Uh, uh, vocals on top of it. Okay. So like, and it's one, of, it's one of those white labels. And then on the other side, it's got the, um, the confusion remix that was in uh, the opening scene of blade. Okay. <laughs> you know, so like on, on both sides, like, it, like it's just horribly mastered. Like it, every time I played it out, I, I hated playing it out because you could tell it wasn't mastered really right. well, but like, you know, it's Madonna's holiday over top of Stardust. Shut up. <laughs> All right. So do you have uh, one more throwback track to uh, kind of send us out with? I do. And uh, this was another one that um, I went back and forth about uh, trying to find something to roll us out with that was both, um, you know, impactful for me but yet wouldn't be too obscure because really from a DJing perspective, it doesn't really work um, for a main stage or a club or anything like that. But because of who these guys are and the track itself, it got a lot of attention over the course of several years. The the, the entire album actually did. Um, And it works in, you know, chill rooms mm. and, you know, any, any kind of like an ambient setting. <laughs> now talk about a house song. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's a total dad joke. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. So, um, good choice though. Good yeah, choice. This is another one of those ones where like, you know, if you were into this kind of music, like I wouldn't, I don't know that like massive attack, a lot of, most people classify them as, as trip hop, but like, I, I think, I, I feel like their stuff is a little bit more nuanced than mm. that. You know, like you could make it work in, in like, you know, a chill set or an ambient set or something like that. But like, you know, their music like really ran a gamut of, just well put together music that you know spoke to you in like I don't want to say a symphonic sense but like you know just you know classic classically put together music that will stick with you yeah and they had very unique vocalists you know that were involved in in, in all of their projects and stuff like that and so it was all memorable it, it all stuck with you um, and this entire album actually mezzanine like there's not a bad track on it yeah. like there I mean like I, I played this this is what I fell asleep to this is what I cruised to this is what I chilled to like this is what I worked to like for years like I love this entire album and this is a teardrop 
yeah. by a massive attack. And uh, of course, if you're not familiar, this was for most of its run, yeah. if not all of it. I think maybe all but the first season. The first season it, or, or part of the first season or um, something like that, yeah. Yeah, it was the theme music for uh, the TV show House. On Fox, yeah. Yeah, which is where m- most people would have been introduced to this sure, show. Sure, sure. Um, but is just such a good track in its own right and it, it took me a long time to disassociate the song from that show because i was really into the show i've, yeah, I've yeah. watched through the whole series two or three times really you know? i i dropped off i dropped off at some point it was very late um you know i i hung on for several seasons but then i for whatever reason you know life changes or whatever i just it, you know just it dropped off and uh, but that was always a show that I just I, I I did I loved it and because I was such a massive Attack fan, like yeah, it all worked every, out. Yeah, every time <laughs> that like the credits came on, I'm like yeah, yeah. Good choice, man. This is a nice one to to wrap to, it up. Yeah, to just, I like it to roll out to for sure. Yeah. All right, man. I appreciate that. Let's uh, let's do this again. Absolutely. I uh, gladly. Like I said, because the blog post thing, you know, I it's it's it. It's a time-consuming thing. It's hard to keep up on that. So yeah. bringing it in into the fold of the of the show rotation, you know, it's, yeah, or rotation of the show, uh, yeah, really, uh, I think it really works. Yeah, thanks for bringing those in, man. Absolutely, I appreciate that. Let's let this roll out. Cool. We'll see you guys next week on the Passionate DJ Podcast. Until then, take care. Easy. to uh, caffeine up real quick. This episode of the Passionate DJ Podcast (laughs) is brought to you by Red Bull. Red Bull, it gives you wings. (laughs) Just kidding, we're not sponsored by Red Bull yet. (laughs) Yet, exactly. (laughs) That would be awesome, though. Yeah? Wouldn't be their first foray into uh, music-related industry stuff. Yeah. Just give us a case of... (laughs) Red Bull a month? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Fuel.